Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live.
Greetings, saints. Once again, in the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I am Apostle Robert Ryan, pastor of the Christian Center Church, Kingston, North Carolina, USA. And I'd like to welcome you all once again to another edition of Teaching the Word, where sound doctrine is brought to the ears of thousands of God's people all over the world. Our God is wonderful today. We reverence Him. We honor Him. We glorify Him. He's everything we need. He's wonderful. Wonderful. God is wonderful.
purposefully staying away from. And we thank God for the revelation that there are just some people, some places, and some things that we have to purposefully stay away from. You know, they may not uh, even want to, to let us stay away from them, but we have to make the choice as children of God to purposefully stay away from some people, some places, and some things. And understand, I was sharing this with one of the saints earlier today, that as you get closer to God, the same way you pursue God, you need to understand that there are demonic spirits that are pursuing you. As we pursue God more intensely, there will be demonic spirits and there will be children of the devil and children of darkness that will be pursuing us more uh, intensely. So let us uh, be mindful of that. We looked at John chapter 7, verse 1. We looked at 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 4. And it brought us down to capital B in our outline. Show me, me? Question mark? Show me me with a question mark. And all we're looking at here in this particular subtopic is that how God will show us ourselves. Sometimes seeing ourselves is, is one of the most difficult things to do. But God has a unique way of showing us ourselves. And a lot of times when we see ourselves, you know, especially our flaws, or our weaknesses, or our sins. We don't like seeing that. You know, we don't we don't like seeing that. That's why a lot of times people don't like sound doctrine, because sound doctrine is going to put the spotlight on us, our sin, our uh, rebellion, our our mistakes, our flaws. Because God wants wants them to be corrected. We're going to take a look at the book of Genesis, chapter thirty eight and verse twenty six. Children of God, prepare to be blessed today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 38, verse what? 26. Genesis chapter 38, verse 26 from the New International Version. The Bible says Judah recognized them and said, she is more righteous than I, since I would not give her my son Shelah. The Bible says, and he did not sleep with her again. Capital B. Show me me. With a question mark there. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, thank you again, Father, for another beautiful day that you have made. Thank you, Father, for the privilege to wake up and see another day. The privilege to experience another day in this this thing called life. The ability to walk, talk, see, smell, taste, touch, hear. The ability to worship you, Father, to 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 study to your word, to sing praises and glorify your name. Father, we do not take these things lightly, but we appreciate you and reverence you for the ability to have the activity of our limbs, the activities of our soul, and the activities of our spirit. One more time, Father, forgive us of our trespasses, our sins, our debts, as we forgive those who trespass, sin, and are indebted to us. We ask, Father, that you give us 
words of wisdom today. As your people are tuning in uh, from different parts of the world, different seasons in their life, different um, life experiences, Father, we ask that you give a word uh, that will meet every soul under the sound of my voice at the point of their need. Let your name be glorified today, Father, and exalted as we continue to give your name glory, honor, and praise. This is our prayer. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. We have in Genesis chapter 28, Genesis chapter 38, rather, an account of Judah and his daughter-in-law, Tamar. Now, you have to understand the culture at this time. You know, it was expected if a young man married a woman and did not bring forth uh, children, if he was to die, then it was expected that the brother would come in and uh, take up that mantle for his deceased brother, marry the woman, bring forth children for that brother. And if that brother was to die and there was another brother, he was to come in. And, I mean, you know, in, in this particular culture, you know, a young woman could, could, if the situation was just right, she could really find herself going through quite a few brothers. Uh-huh. And what we have here in in Genesis chapter 38 is is almost what you might consider the perfect storm. Uh, Judah had gotten a wife for Er, verse 6, his firstborn. Her name was Tamar, but Er, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, next brother, lie with your brother's wife, fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to produce offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would never be his, so whenever he lay with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from producing offspring for his brother. What he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord put him to death also. Judah then said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, live as a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought he may die too, just like his brother. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had recovered from his grief, he went up to Timnah to the men who were shearing sheep, and his friend Herah, the Adamalite, went with him. Now, Tamar was getting old. You know, she was getting older. She had been in her father's house for some time, and uh, she had discerned that Judah wasn't trying to uh, give this son Shelah to Tamar because uh, he was thinking that he might, what, die too. He's already lost two sons. Now, the custom, the tradition was that, you know, if there was another brother of age, then you're supposed to give him up. Judah wasn't trying to do this. Judah was trying to, to hold back. He didn't want his, you know, it had to be a painful thing to watch two of your sons die. And, you know, the common denominator is this woman. So in his mind is maybe, you know, something is going on. But the problem was not Tamar. 
It wasn't Tamar. Even though she was, there was a, God says, Robert, there was another common denominator. Tamar was, a, you know, in, in solving mathematics, a lot of times you've got to look for a common denominator, you know, in, in, in fractions. Well, what was a common denominator between uh, the death of the first son and the death, the first, the death of error and the death of, of Onan? Tamar was a common denominator. She had interaction and she had dealings with the both. But God said, Robert, the, the more important common denominator was not Tamar, but the more important common denominator was that the boys were wicked. These boys were wicked. You say, Apostle, why is that important? It's important because if you're not careful, you can think that the common denominator in a problem, you can think it's the wrong common denominator. Judah's thinking that maybe the problem is Tamar. Well, the problem wasn't Tamar, and the scripture lets us to know that it wasn't because of Tamar that these young men were put to death, but rather the scripture lets us to know that both Er and Onan were wicked. God said it was not because they were involved with Tamar that they were put to death, but rather God says it was because they were involved in wickedness. See, sometimes if you're not careful, see, in Judah, Judah doesn't want to look at this because when Judah has to look at this, now he's got to start dealing with, with, with his parental skills. Now he's got to start dealing with some hard truth. What we say the subtopic is? Show me what? Me. You say, Apostle, what are you trying to get us to understand? Oh, man, it's human nature for us to point the finger at somebody else. Judah's right ready to point the finger at Tamar. And you're going to see even a little bit further on in the story. He wants to point the finger at it again. But then God has to show Judah himself. And this needs to be our focus, children of God, in our, in our prayer life, in our in our ministries, in our walk with God, Lord, show me me. Because, see, I, I'm only going to be held responsible ultimately for fixing me. God is not holding you and I responsible for fixing our neighbor. God is not holding you and I responsible for fixing pastor. God is not holding you and I responsible for fixing husband or fixing wife. God is ultimately holding you and I responsible for fixing ourselves. Now, we can try to help one another, but our responsibility is for fixing ourselves. Now, you say, Apostle, what's the, what's the important thing here? The important thing here, now, you take Judah in our story. Now, Judah is, is, is and you're going to see a little bit further on. Oh, he, he's ready to see, you know, the problems perceived or otherwise in Tamar. But it takes a while. It takes God having to show him himself before he starts working on his problems. Now, the more time we spend in, in, in focusing in on other people's problems is the less time that we're going to spend focusing in on fixing our problems. The Bible says in verse 13, when Tamar was told your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear 
his sheep, she took off her widow's clothes, covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, sat down at the entrance of Enim, which is on the road to Timnah, for she she thought that, uh, for she saw that though Shelah had now grown up, she had not been given to him as his wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face, not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law. He went over to her by the roadside and said, come now, let me sleep with you. His own daughter-in-law. He don't realize because she got a veil on. He don't even realize this is his own daughter-in-law. He thinks it's a prostitute. Now, you say, Apostle, what's important about this? The average man, the average man. Now, we thank God for the Holy Spirit, and we thank God for revelation and insight. But the average man uh, is going to treat a woman he doesn't see as a a, a family member differently than he's going to treat his own daughter or his own mother or his own sister. Average man. Average man. Why? Because, see, see, the adversary has deceived some men into thinking that, that, that women that are not family or your daughter or your sister or your mother can be treated one way, while women that are close to you can be treated another. In other words, those on the outside of the family can be treated like dirt, but why we want to treat mama or we want to treat our sister or we want to treat our daughter like, like uh, uh, something very precious. Well, what God wants men to understand is that all are precious. And this is why the scripture instructs men to treat older women, not just your mama like mama, treat older women as mothers. Treat younger women, not just your daughter, not just your little sister, but treat younger women like sisters. So that same protection that you want for your daughter or you want for your little sister, extend that to to women that are outside your family. That same respect that you want to show to your mother, show that to other women, older women, outside of your family. Mm-hmm. See. Somebody show me me now. Show me me. Because, see, as long as Judah is thinking that this, this, this uh, woman is just a what? Just a prostitute. Oh, he go in, have sex with her, go in. Treat all in, in, in any kind of way. But later on, he come to find out that it was his own daughter-in-law. Now he's convicted. Now he's ashamed. Now his, his sin has been uh, laid bare. Again, it's one thing to point the finger at others. But God wants us to spend the majority of our time pointing fingers at ourselves. It's, watch this now. Watch this now. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit. God has given me this parable here. God said, Rob, what, what, what good is it to be a personal trainer getting other people in shape and it, if you yourself are out of shape? You think about it. Personal trainer. Oh, I dare 50 pounds overweight, can't hardly breathe, can't hardly walk, can't hardly, can't hardly do. What, what is that all out of, all about? The first one, God wants us to personally train, whether it's in the natural or whether it's in the spiritual, 
is ourself. Bible says, let the husband man be the first partaker of the fruit. This is why, you know, somebody asked Jesus on one occasion, you know, Jesus, you know, of all the laws and the prophets, which one is most important? Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love you first. You first. Love the Lord. You love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Then love your neighbor as yourself. Get you straight first. Then work on getting your neighbor, your husband, your wife, your generation. But your relationship with God needs to be first and for love the first instruction love the lord thy god with all your heart all your strength all your soul all your mind and then love your neighbor as yourself you you guys look the most important thing in your life individual is your relationship with god that needs to be the most important thing in your life not your relationship with your mother not your relationship with your father not your relationship with your pastor, not your relationship with your husband or your wife or your son, or your first order of business. And if any other relationship in your life is coming before that, you are already involved in idolatry. That's what idolatry is, where you have put something, someone above God. The first order of business in this thing called life is to love God first with everything you got. Then, you'll be equipped to love your neighbor. You'll be equipped to love your husband, your wife. You'll be equipped to love your pastor, your congregation. You'll be equipped to love your brother, your sister. You'll be equipped to love your neighbor as yourself. Bible says he didn't realize. Judah doesn't realize she was his daughter-in-law. He went over to her by the roadside and said, come now, let me sleep with you. Now, had she, if she didn't have that veil on, if he would have knew that it was his daughter-in-law, he probably wouldn't have said this. He probably wouldn't have behaved like this. But because he's just thinking he, she's just some, she's just some shrine prostitute. Ah, she just. But understand, she's somebody's daughter out there. She's somebody's mother. She's somebody's sister. She might not be yours daughter or mother or sister, but she's somebody. In the same way you wouldn't want your daughter or your mother or your sister or somebody close to you to be treated that way, God said don't be treating somebody else's mother or daughter or sister that way. Ah, Judah's mind, she's just a prostitute. Man, nobody, you know, nobody care about no prostitute. God's saying I care about prostitutes. Some of you all out on the sound of my voice, you may have been involved in a little prostitution activity or whatever your sin may be. Whatever it is, God care about you, even if men don't, even if women don't. God cares about you. Tamar asked, and what will you give me to sleep with you, she asked. I'll send you a young goat from my flock, he said. She asked, will you give me something as a pledge until you send it? He said, what pledge should I give you? She said, your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand. She answered. So he gave them to her and slept with her. And she became pregnant by him. After she left, she took off her veil, put on her widow's clothes again. Meanwhile, Judah sent the young goat by his friend, Adam Lamite. 
in order to get his pledge black back from the woman, but he did not find her. He asked the men who lived there, where is the shrine prostitute who was beside the road at Enay? The people said, look, there hasn't been any shrine prostitute here, they said. So he went back to Judah and said, I didn't find her. Besides, the men who lived there says, there haven't been any shrine prostitute here. Then Judah said, let her keep what she has, or we will become a laughingstock. After all, I did send her this young goat, uh, but you didn't find her. Now look at Judah now, because now what we got is hypocrisy. You know, Judah wanted to, wanted to do this thing, but now he don't want it to just be all out what he has done. So he's like, ah, go ahead on, let her, let her have so, let her have the stuff. This is much and what God is bringing to my spirit now, because God said, look, Robert, human nature has not changed. You know, this same kind of thing. Individuals trying to keep from becoming a laughing stock then. Individuals are still trying to keep from becoming laughing stock today. This is much like individuals that settle out of court. Settle out of court. Maybe you have done something that wasn't right. You got some money. And rather than go to court and become a laughing stock and everybody hear your dirty laundry just all out, all across, you settle out of court. You say, all right, look, I'll give you half a million dollars, keep your mouth closed, sign this document that you won't say anything about what has happened. Well, this was this was a... Uh, uh, Old Testament way of kind of trying to settle out of court. Judas said, let's leave that, leave that matter alone before everybody find out what I have done. The Bible says then in verse 24, about three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law Tamar is guilty of prostitution and as a result, she is now pregnant. Now listen at Judah. Bring her out and have her burned to death. Judas, look, bring this woman that has been involved in prostitution and have her burned to death. Now, this is the same man who just finished sleeping with what he thought was a prostitute. You say, Apostle, what you trying to get us to understand? See, this is why God got to show us ourselves, children of God. This is why God, because if God don't show us ourselves, sometimes we'll be passing judgment on individuals for the, some of the same thing that we have done. The same way the daughter was guilty of prostitution, Judah was guilty of prostitution. He don't, you don't hear him hollering, let me tell y'all, take me out and burn me to death too, right beside her, because I did it three months earlier. And see, this is the kind of thing that goes on in the church sometimes. Sometimes a leader might fall or a leader might sin. Everybody, oh, he need to be brought down. He don't need to pastor no more. She don't need to be in the choir no more. And it be the same stuff that most of us are struggling with in the body of Christ. Here's Judah ready to burn his daughter-in-law to death for prostitution, and he just finished. He was the one that got her pregnant. He was the one that solicited her prostitution activities. Lord, have mercy on us. Show us ourselves, Lord, so we're not so harsh on others, see, when we're guilty of doing some of the same things. Understand, child of God, every, listen, listen out there in the sound of my voice. In, in, in case, you know, uh, it, it don't sound like it or it don't look like it or it don't feel like it, let me say something to some of you all out there that's going to be a blessing. Every one of us as children of God is struggling with this thing called sin. 
in one dimension or another. In other words, what you may be struggling with may not be the exact same thing I'm struggling with. What I'm struggling with may not be the exact same thing that another brother is struggling with. with another, but we all struggling with this thing called sin. And that's why we all need Jesus. Uh-huh. Some of you some of you, some of you all out there, you know, they got yourself deceived real good. Oh, he not not me. He can't speak for me. Or well, the Bible says that if any man claims he has no sin, he deceives himself and the truth is not in him. Yes, I can speak for you. If you're a man or you're a woman, unless you're an angel or unless you're Christ, I can speak for you. You got some sin in you, just like I got some sin in me. You say, Apostle, what are you trying to get us to understand? Don't, 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 don't. Let's not think too highly of ourselves, and let's not think too lowly of ourselves. But both of them is sin. You running around thinking you ain't got no sin, you thinking too highly of yourself. That's sin. You running around feeling like you're the worst thing that has ever, has ever set foot on the ground. Oh, you're just so terrible. Oh, you, and that's another sin, too, as a child of God. We are works in progress. We not sin less, and we don't sin all the time. We fall right somewhere in the middle, somewhere in between them two. We don't. We not sin less, meaning that we're not perfect, and then we're not uh, always sinning. We fall somewhere in there. And what God desires for you and I is that we keep moving wherever we are, in between those two extremes. We keep moving toward perfection. That's why the Bible tells us to aim for perfection. Well, because what God said, I understand, is that ain't none of y'all got it yet. Ain't none of y'all perfect yet. Pastor, apostle, bishop, doctor, right reverend, whatever, whoever you call yourself, you ain't got this thing all yet. And I ain't got this thing all yet. So let's quit tripping, children of God. Want to burn somebody to death for the same thing that you did. But you ain't hollering burn yourself to death. Bible says that she was being brought out. She sent a message to her father-in-law. She said, I'm pregnant by the man who owned these, she said. And she added, see if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. <laughs> Bible said Judah recognized them and said she is more righteous than I, since I will not give her my son, Sheila. And he did not sleep with her again. You said, Apostle, you Judah said, oh, man. This is, she done dressed her, my own daughter-in-law done dressed herself up like a prostitute, and I done slept with my own daughter-in-law and got her pregnant. Because she knew, she knew that he wasn't trying to give Sheila to, to, to uh, Tamar. In this story, what we got is one young, innocent girl who started out real innocent, had a wicked husband. He died. She was given another wicked husband. He died who had a father-in-law that was behaving wickedly, he got exposed, and she ended up being saved. She started out real, real innocent, but by the time this story finished up, she knew the difference between uh, how things were supposed to be and some foolishness. She knew that, Judah, you know, you're not doing like you're supposed to do in giving me that son to marry. She, lot has grown up. How come you ain't gave him to me yet? She started out a young, innocent girl, but now she's seasoned. Now she's wise as a serpent. 
You say, Apostle, what you're trying to get us to understand? Same way God wants us to do. You might start out in your Christianity all buckeyed, and, you know, uh, but God wants you and I to be wise as serpents, yet harmless as dove. We know what's going on now. There's, there's no place where God wants us as his children to be foolish, and there's no place where God wants us as his children to be stupid. God wants us wise as serpents and harmless as dove. We ain't trying to hurt nobody. We ain't trying to bother nobody, but we know what's going on. Hey, Marcy, look, I know what's going on right here. She lies grown now. Why are you holding him back? When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. As she was giving birth, one of them put his hand out, so the midwife took a scarlet thread and tied it on his wrist and said, this one came out first. But when he drew back his hand, his brother came out. And she said, so this is how you have broken out. And he was named Perez. Now, Perez means to break out. Then his brother, who had the scarlet red on his wrist, came out, and he was given the name Zero. Show me me. Judah, great patriarch, had to be shown himself. Understand children of God on a daily basis. This is why. Now, most of you all understand my voice, and God has given me this as a parable. Most of you all understand my voice have looked at your face or looked at yourself today in a mirror. Most of you at some point. Why? Because you want to see what you look like physically. Well, God's word shows us what we look like spiritually. Now, the same way if you go running out of the house in the morning and haven't looked at yourself physically, oh, man, you can, you're going to be looking all, all kind of ways and don't know it. You know, I was in here yesterday just a preaching, just a proclaiming God's word, and the collar on my shirt was turned in. During the message, one of the saints said, you know, fix your collar, Pastor. Fix your collar. I went back and looked at the broadcast on, on YouTube, looked at the video, collar all tucked in for about half of the service because I didn't look at myself very well. See? Well, what God's word does is it is allows you and I to look at ourselves very well. Oftentimes, the more time you spend in the mirror, the more stuff you can fix. You get in the mirror, man, you can make sure, you know, that you, you know, shave properly. You can make sure your pants, your clothes is ironed properly. You can make sure all kind of things. This is a natural mirror. So it is when it comes down to the word of God, children of God. As we spend time in this word, we can see all kind of stuff that ain't right in our lives, in our walks with God, in our ministries, in our families, in our marriages in our businesses. We can see all kinds of stuff and get it right. Show me me, question mark. Why? So that I can fix me, so that I can get me right. Judah was shown himself, and he made necessary changes. My prayer for you, my encouragement to you, child of God, is that as the word of God shows you you, shows me me, we will make the necessary changes in our lives. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, thank you today, Father, for such a wonderful word, insightful word that you have given to us, your little children. We pray, Father, for your people all over the world under the sound of my voice. We pray that as your word has been preached and taught today in its simplicity, in its unadulterated form, that the power of your word will manifest in the lives of your children. May souls be saved today. 
at the proclamation of your word. And may souls that are already saved grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We trust, Father, that you're going to do these things for us as we are touching and agreeing, asking in the mighty and glorious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Let the people of God say amen. All right, let's go on and uh, write down the five questions here, saints, that we want to get answered. Um, Name the five major characters in our scriptures today. The five major characters in our scriptures. Number two, what two things did... Uh, Air and Onan have in common? What two things did these young men have in common? And number three, uh, what did Judah learn from the behavior or from the actions of his daughter-in-law? What did Judah learn from the actions of his daughter-in-law? Saints, the Lord bless you all, and heaven continue to smile on you.